1: deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. No, you have not. You
2: have not made contact with your leader. Contact has not been established, Mr. Producer. This is not your leader. Maybe the captain... Maybe a lieutenant, if you demote me, maybe a sergeant. Don't know. Mark will be back tomorrow. Don't sweat it, folks. Don't I am here to man the con. I will hold it down for three hours. I'm Dan Bongino. For those who recognize the voice, Mark is kind enough to once in a while let me fill in on his amazing show here. Always happy to be here with Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screen, to bring you some hopefully pretty incredible content. Let me tell you what I'm going to tell you, tell you, tell you what I told you at the end of the show. So I want to start out today and talk about retconning. You know what retconning is? Mr. Producer, you know what retconning is? You have any idea? You ever heard of retconning? You you you're a movie guy? All right, well, I'm going to tell you. Don't you worry. Some in the audience know. Some don't. You ever watch those Halloween movies? You know, Michael Myers' Halloween. You know, how it is. Michael Myers, he's dead. The next movie, he's back, and they don't even mention They just pretend like it didn't happen, or sometimes they pretend it happened, and they rewrite the ending, or... Sometimes they just pretend none of the movies happened, like in the last Halloween, and they just say, no, 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 none of those movies happened. We found them in a mental institution. Remember that one from a year ago? You know what I'm talking about, retcon- that's, that's a term. It's called retconning. When you just retroactively disregard the whole story, you pretend history didn't happen, and Michael Myers never died. Those movies didn't happen either. Forget about them. They were awful anyway. Well, the media and the libs, always a pretty disgraceful bunch, are doing that now. I'm not talking about movies, I'm talking about the real world. They are in live time retconning history. I am not kidding. They are actually pretending the things they said on the YouTube and the interweb, on the television, the radio and everywhere else, things we can all see, screenshot, play on YouTube, record. They're actually pretending none of this exists. They're pretending as if they were the ones sounding the alarm in January. They were the, they were the ones, folks, sounding the alarm about the Wuhan virus from China. And that it was Donald Trump who missed the ball. It was Trump who did it. Ladies and gentlemen, none of this is actually true. If you believe in facts, if you don't believe in facts, I'm not your guy. This may not be the best three hours for you. If you believe in Aesop's fables and Teddy Ruxpin stories, I'm not the radio fill-in host for you. Find another show. If you're interested in what actually happened and why this is happening, the retconning now, then this is going to be a very entertaining couple hours on the show. They're rewriting history, folks. Now, the question you're probably all asking is, well, we know they don't have any morals or ethics. That's obvious. But what's the reason they're doing that? The libs and the media, they don't do anything by mistake. Why are they retconning history, rewriting history, and trying to pretend now that back in January, they were the ones saying, everybody better panic. And it was Donald Trump who was underestimating the threat from the coronavirus from china why do you think they're doing that well ladies and gentlemen it's pretty obvious if you know the democrats the media adam schiff nancy pelosi and that cabal of idiots you know exactly what they're doing what they're doing is they're preparing for round three of the next series of hoaxes that's what they do nobody does hoaxes better than the democrats and the media nobody I mean, they're really good at it. We had the collusion hoax, the quid pro quo hoax. You know all the hoaxes. We've been through them all. Well, they need another hoax. So their other hoax is going to be, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump totally underestimated this while we were the ones warning. Now, keep in mind, it's interesting they say Donald Trump called this coronavirus a hoax, even though that's been debunked seven different ways from Sunday when he didn't. When it was actually Donald Trump in January who instituted a travel ban from that specific region and from China to keep potential infectious people out of the country to mitigate what he saw as a threat, while the same media was calling him xenophobic and a racist. They're pretending none of this happened. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Bongino, your handy-dandy guest host, bring in the righty out of the bullpen, has the receipts for you. I always bring receipts, folks. Always. I actually, for the first time, Filling in for market. I get to do it often, but when I do... For the first time, I asked Mr. Producer if he would produce a few cuts for me, which was really nice. I don't like to do that. I don't like to cause anybody any extra work. I'm just good like that. But today, I needed him, because we're going to produce receipts, folks. I've always got receipts. I'm going to play for you in a little bit. I'm going to play for you a cut, a little montage. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon, by the way. I'm going to play for you a little montage of the media actually saying in their own words things are saying Donald Trump said, don't worry, no more dangerous than the flu, everybody tranquilo, calm down, take it easy, everyone, Papa Xanax, no big deal. This is them. Remember the retcon story now. They're rewriting history now, pretending it was Trump saying that. When it was Trump in January instituted the travel ban. Now, I've got some headlines I want to read for you, too, throughout the course of the show, because I'm not going to let them do it, because that's not what I do. I'm not going to let them rewrite history on this show. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Now, just to be fair here, and I mean this. I know I can be sarcastic and sometimes try to take the edge off the show, but to be fair... No one here is saying, not me, I'm, well, no one, it's only me talking. No one's saying this was handled perfectly. I'm simply saying it could have been handled better on both sides and not everybody had the information. I'll give you more on the other side of this break. We'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: If you and your family are finding yourself at home, With extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand and absolutely free of charge, Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope, founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to LevinforHillsdale.com. L-e-v-i-n for All right, we're back
2: for you Radio Insider. what happened? We're back. But as I said before the break, I'm not going to let the media and these liberal buffoons rewrite history. You know, we can always fix our response to what happened with this coronavirus. That's what we do. I mean, in my prior line of work, things happened that were screwed up all the time. We used to have after-action reports. We'd go back and we'd fix stuff. By the way, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin, in case you didn't know. But I'm not going to let... The victors who always write history be the media here with a false narrative that somehow they warned the general public about the dangers of this coronavirus while Trump sat on it and it exploded and therefore let them prepare for their next hoax, which is, oh, my gosh, they had no idea what they were doing while we warned everyone. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, back in January, unfortunately, due to a massive Chinese disinformation effort we now know about. With auxiliaries like the WHO and others who were parroting this disinformation, nobody knew how dangerous this was. Now, you can expect this series of intel leaks to strategically come out. Mark my words. Mark my words, ladies and gents. What's today's date, Mr. President? I don't even know. Book it. Take it down in your notebook now. Mark my words over the next few weeks to establish the hoax narrative that Donald Trump... Didn't know what he was doing, and the media was warning the public about this. Again, a totally fabricated, made-up narrative. That's the exact opposite of history, because we have the receipts, which I promise I'll get you. Expect a series of calculated intel leaks in the next few weeks. Market showing how people in the intel community warned the people in the administration, and they just didn't listen. Again, totally ignoring the fact that nobody in the media or elsewhere had any idea how bad this was going to become. Nobody. Don't let them retcon and rewrite history, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do it. Don't be a sucker for their games. Now, here's receipt number one here. Here's a little bit of an extended cut. Again, hat tip, Washington free beacon here for putting this together. This is one of those media supercuts of the media people telling us now how Trump missed the ball on this thing. We were on top of it. We were on top of it. Mr. Producer, we were telling everybody, you need to really worry about what's coming you were. That's funny because the tape tells a totally different story. Play this cut of media folks downplaying this whole thing, saying,
0: ah, no big deal, kind of like the flu. Check this out.
3: In late February, President Trump began
0: downplaying the coronavirus by likening the illness to the seasonal flu.
3: People are like, you know, I think I have the flu. Could it be the coronavirus? Overall, most people should not be terribly concerned about it. You definitely want to pay attention. Should they panic? No, Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, Hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. Flu is a much bigger deal.
1: There's an important context we need to keep this in, and that is that the flu is more deadly
0: maybe this is a good opportunity to remind people of that
1: such a good reminder and while there's a lot of fear over this coronavirus you know the flu is already widespread in the US and and it really is much more deadly is it not
0: coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States we're gonna have 40
4: to 60 thousand deaths this year in the United States from the influenza and it's preventable and there are only 12 confirmed cases of coronavirus here in the states.
1: the risk is low the risk however for the flu is through the roof help warning from doctors why they say people should be more worried about
3: the flu than the coronavirus half
1: of
2: the people in america do not get a flu shot and the flu right now is far deadlier so if you're freaked out at all about the coronavirus you should be more concerned about the flu mm. Mm. weird weird like pbm weird 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 that's the same media people telling us now. Oh my gosh, Donald Trump really missed it. It's the same media people telling everybody, eh, don't you worry, ladies and gents, just like the flu. That's, 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 that's them. That's, that's, that's their voices. I, I didn't make that up. Mr. Perdue, you, did you, did you mess? did you mess with that? Was that like a deep fake? Did you do that? Are you fooling Mark Saudy? I get it. I get, hold up. I get it. Mark is out, and everybody's messing around. He, you clear, it's a deep fake, right? No. <laughs> He's like, oh. He's like what, do you, what do you mean? You just sent me to cut yourself. Of course it's not. Mr. Producer's an honest guy. That's the crew at CNN and MSNBC and elsewhere. Telling you, yeah, that's no big deal. Now, notice I haven't even hit a... Yet the topic of how big of a deal it is or isn't, that's not what I'm talking about here. It's obviously a very serious issue. The question isn't, is this a serious bug? It's a very serious bug. The question is, how serious is it based on the data? We haven't even touched that topic. The only topic I'm addressing now is the fascinating retconning and rewriting of history where the same media people told you, no sweat, daddy-o, just like the flu don't you worry at all, are now turning around, flipping the script and rewriting history to suggest Trump said that when they said it. Amazing. As Tucker says on Fox all the time, and he's right, whatever the media and the libs accuse you of doing as conservatives and liberty lovers, you can be rest assured that's exactly what they did. Exactly. Exactly. And, of course, liberals and Mark's listening audience slap it up because that's what they love to do. And, by the way, as always, Mr. Call Screener knows the deal. If you're a liberal and like to challenge that, by the way, I'm not even done. I've got headlines out the wazoo. I don't even know where the wazoo is. But if there is a wazoo, I have media headlines to read for you as well of media playing this whole thing. You can call in 877-381-3811. Conservatives, always welcome to. this it. the phone line if you'd like to join the show, 877-381-3811. Want well, to hear some other headlines? I'm not making these up. You can Google them yourself if you'd like. If you need to fact check, and I encourage you to fact check me as well because my eyes are bad, and I have them on my phone. I've got to expand this a little bit. Let's go to CNN. Here's a headline at CNN. CNN. We were sounding the alarm. You were because here's your headline: As the coronavirus spreads, fear is fueling racism and xenophobia. Yeah, that's CNN. That's uh, yeah, yeah, CNN. Yeah, that's really a. Uh... Here's another one. Relax. Corona. This is not from CS, It's from another outlet. Relax. Coronavirus is less dangerous than the flu. Here's the Daily beast. (laughs) Another. Enough on that. I'll go. That's a whole other show. The virus killing U.S. kids isn't the one dominating the headlines. Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, AP, the Associated Press. Is the new virus more deadly than flu? Not exactly. Here's another one. The flu is still a bigger health threat in the U.S. than novel coronavirus. Ladies and gentlemen, I could go on all day. Of course, we had the infamous Washington Post headlines as well. Who says it's not safe to travel to China? Uh, that, was a, excuse me, that was New York Times. That was their headline. Here's the Washington Post. Trump's travel ban expansion is an unexpected win for China. Uh, the New York Times one is really ridiculous. Who says it's not safe to travel to China? Just about every sane person uh, right now. No one would want to travel to a region of the world struggling to contain an outbreak of a virus. But don't let that get in the way of your dopey narratives again. So the question we have to ask now is, again, why the retconning? Why the rewriting of history? Why are they doing it now? Well, I answered that because they're already prepping you for another anti-Trump hoax. And that anti-Trump hoax is going to be, my gosh, nobody was doing anything but us. Now, ladies and gentlemen, an interesting dynamic, uh, I guess I'll say, that's happened with this whole thing. I'll phrase it in the form of a question. Why did they flip the panic switch? What do I mean by that? Well, I've had the distinct pleasure of being a, I don't know, talking head is what you call us in this media ecosystem for a long time now, whether it's on cable news or elsewhere. I've been exclusive to Fox for a couple of years now, but I used to do other networks as well. And I remember vividly, if I may give you a behind the scenes kind of peek and a gander here. I remember vividly the Ebola virus when it landed on U.S. shores. I remember it vividly. It was the topic of the news for probably a week and a half, two weeks, where it was almost wall to wall. And I distinctly remember radio shows, bookers, and other people. Remember, Obama was the president. Of course, things were different, but Obama was the, the golden calf for them. You know, he had to be worshipped. There was no questioning Obama ever. But I distinctly remember people in the whole media environment saying, listen, we don't want to panic, people, talking about Ebola, which, by the way, is always the right approach. I'm not questioning. Always the right approach. Panic does nothing. It does nothing to solve a problem. You don't believe me? Go find yourself a special forces friend or someone who's worked on a SWAT team. They will tell you panic kills quicker than anything. Anything. I agree with that approach. But what's fascinating is, despite the fact that Ebola is an unbelievably deadly virus with or not to the fatality rates through the roof. The whole media environment back then was everybody needs to stay calm and anybody talking about it needs to stay calm. Why did they flip the switch now? Why now are they engaged in a full-blown panic campaign? Well, I got to take a break, ladies and gentlemen, but this should start to be making sense to you now because they sensed a couple things. Number one, they sensed an opportunity to attack the president of the United States again for pretending, oh, pretending he didn't know what was going on. He did nothing when nobody knew anything. But secondly, ladies and gentlemen, they found a way to attack Republican governors as well. And they never let a crisis go to waste. They sniffed out an opportunity. I got a super cut on that. on the other side, just break, too. i I'm there, Bungie, and from us.
0: If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand and absolutely free of charge, Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too. With Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now Go to LevinforHillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for for Hillsdale.com.
1: When the going gets tough, a tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811.
2: All right, welcome back. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. He'll be back with you tomorrow. The great one. Have no fear, ladies and gentlemen. So, before the break, I was talking about the media just rewriting history as if we're incapable of screenshotting their headlines. I played for you an audio clip of media people playing down the severity of this virus who are now suggesting, no, it wasn't us doing that. Media people, because we're so smart, and you're also stupid, of course. It was Trump that did that. Well, Why? Well, again, it's fairly obvious why they're setting up another attack on Trump, because they just can't control themselves. They're like a bunch of five-year-olds around ice pops. They can't control themselves. But the Democrats saw an opportunity, too. You know, gosh, if, you know, if our narrative is going to be going forward that Trump missed the ball on this crisis, Trump lied, people died, if that's going to be the narrative. Well, we need a crisis, and we need a real crisis. And in order to get a real crisis, you need a whole lot of panic. And if we can get a whole lot of panic and sell people on panic, as somehow panic is going to solve the actual crisis we're in right now, which it won't, panic solves nothing. We can get a whole lot of people to panic. We can get them really mad at the president for dropping the ball on this thing when we were the ones sounding the alarm, number one. And number two, Democrats, gosh, we can use this opportunity because as Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama's former chief of staff and the former mayor of Chicago have said often, you can never let a crisis go to waste, folks. The Democrats are preparing to soften you up. They're preparing to break down those sacred bonds, conservatives, libertarians, and good Republicans, and even some good principled Democrats have had forever where, listen, I accept a certain amount of limited government in my life, police, fire, you know, fire services, firemen, military court system, interstate roads. We accept a certain amount of things in our life, hopefully a limited amount of taxation. And we accept them because these are things based on our Constitution and things, but and they're basically mass consensus. But they're trying to soften you up and get you ready for a government tomorrow so expansive, so big and so enormous, you'll have no way to escape it. I mean, think about it. In just a couple of weeks, many in government have managed us to get used to ratting on our neighbors. Who's doing that? By the way, if you're someone in the audience doing that— um, and I don't mean ratting on your neighbors for doing really dumb things. I mean, if your neighbor's breaking into someone's house, it's not ratting on your neighbor. That's, you know, doing the right thing. I'm talking about, like, I'm hearing stories out there now, but paddle boarders in the ocean by themselves getting arrested, people out walking their dogs, and all of a sudden the neighbors calling the cops. They're by themselves. What are we doing? What has happened to us in just three weeks? That's not most of you in the audience. Probably the overwhelming majority of listening on that's happening. Yeah, it's happening. They're softening you up to this increased footprint of government in your life. And also amounts of government spending that we can't possibly sustain. But Democrats don't care. I want to play for you this cut. Hat tip, uh, Tom Elliott at Grabian, who does a great job over there. I love his cuts. He puts together super cuts. He's at Tom Elliott on Twitter, but you're going to check him out. They do really good cuts over there. I'm going to play for you in a moment another cut. A little bit of an extended cut of Democrats now that they know we're in a time of crisis talking about all of these wish list, ideological, radical items they wanted forever that they now decided in the middle of a legitimate crisis with an infectious pathogen that they want them now because they'll never let a crisis go to waste. But again, ladies and gentlemen, think this through what has been the operating premise 30 minutes into the show here or whatever. The operating premise has been you can't get people to accept things they wouldn't ordinarily accept if you can't make them believe this is an unprecedented crisis. And in order to do that, you have to win Still Panic. So they flipped the panic switch and said, Trump missed the ball. He should have reacted to this a long time ago when they didn't react to it. And now that he didn't, we have to clean up the mess with all these wish list agenda items. Mr. Producer, you got that cut queued up? All right. Thank you. All right, let's listen to this gem again. Hat tip, crabian. This is the Democrats during the time of crisis talking about all the air quotes here wonderful things they want to impose upon you. Now that we're in the middle of a pathogen outbreak in the United States, this is sick stuff. Check this out.
3: Do you think that more needs to be done in the next package? Now that we've seen these appalling, historic unemployment numbers already, just today.
1: Yes. I mean, there's a long list of things, the OSHA, family and medical leave more broadly interpreted, free testing, Uh, the list goes on and on. Are you taking into consideration uh, green jobs, green infrastructure? Yes, we need it big, we need it bold, and we need it futuristic, which means green. I mean, there's a long list of things. Infrastructure, clean water, community health centers. Uh, The list goes on and on. Well, this is a case for universal health care. We absolutely have to transform our health care system.
3: Absolutely, we see this as an opportunity to reshape uh, the way we do
2: business. And how we govern. We're fully paid sick leave for all our workers, student loan forgiveness, cost free treatment for the COVID 19.
1: Whatever, whatever the costs are related to that I mean, there's a long list of things. Internet, broadband and the grid. you have to have mobility. we need money uh, for the postal services. The national minimum wage should be fifteen dollars, but that's not nearly enough. Uh, the list goes on and on. A national effort to enlist doctors, nurses, Uh, hospital workers of all kinds. I think the government should step in. I believe the federal government should take over contracting uh, and acquiring all the medical supplies that we need. We got to have telehealth. We got to restructure the way we deliver health care. So yes, Jim Clyburn is a restructuring government guy.
4: I mean, there's a long list of things. Rent suspensions, payment suspensions, mortgage suspensions, guaranteed housing, expand our public health care systems, drop the Medicare age to zero. Whatever way we can get this done, let's get it done.
1: Oh, the list goes on and on.
2: yeah. It sure does, Nance. It sure does go on and on. You're right about that. That's the first correct thing you said in a long time. The list does go on and on. Green New Deal compliant airplanes. We're going to go for the farting cows next, I guess. Uh, vote by mail, ballot harvesting, minimum wage. Andrew Cuomo confiscating ventilators from hospitals, sending the National Guard in. What was that? Was he talking about that a couple weeks ago? Getting people to rat on their neighbors for walking their dog. I mean, sounds kind of like a socialist state now. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're failing the test here. Not you listening. These idiots be elected in Washington D.C. You have businesses. And can we? Can I just be crystal clear on this? And folks, I get there on a very serious note here. There are divergent views on this. People are legitimately, legitimately scared. Totally understand. A hundred percent. I've said it before. I've said it on my show. I'll say it again. I think I've had this already. I was at the Super Bowl coverage with my employer, and I was down in Miami, came back, had a really nasty cough on the way back. I don't know. I haven't had the antibody test. I'm not trying to be dramatic or hyperbolic. I was sick for about a week. I think I already had it. It's serious. If you're older, immunocompromised, this is very serious. But, ladies and gentlemen, the response to this has been draconian. The wiping out of tens of millions of jobs, the implementation of government spending levels we've never seen in our lives, the throwing of Fed Reserve policy right in the toilet, the wiping out of interest rates overnight the implementation of massive Green New Deal agenda items they're trying to pump in another Phase 4. $25 million to the Kennedy Center. It turned around and tried to lay off their employees. I think they're re- re- trying to fix that decision now. But what? A, what? What? Ladies and gentlemen, they, they, they failed the test here. They never, ever let a crisis go to waste. And they see a golden opportunity here to move in. Now, folks, again, I I get that there are divergent opinions on this. I'm going to tell you because Mark's allowed me to fill in on the show, and you deserve an opinion whether you agree with it or not. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I think we've listened to the experts We've listened to their models. Their models have been wrong. Models are frequently wrong. They're not the first experts to get models wrong. That's why they're models. Having said that, the models about the level of contagion in the environment, we don't know that yet because we don't have full antibody testing, by the way, and we don't have a full testing regimen, although it's come a long way. But the level of expected infections and hospitalizations, hospitalizations we can monitor, have been far Far, far off from the models. Ladies and gentlemen, they're not even close. The numbers are devastating. We were basing our public policy prescriptions on models and experts that gave us the wrong numbers. Ladies and gentlemen, we live every day in a world full of deadly risks. That's not pleasant to hear. It just is. It is, we live every day with pathogens, with the threat of car accidents, with the dangers of smoking and alcoholism, with the threat of being struck by lightning, with the threat of drowning. We live in a very dangerous world. The way we make and alter our lives to rationally maximize our own prosperity is we can do nothing more but but mitigate and weigh against each other opposing harms. This is not a world of good and bad. It's not the Garden of Eden. That's what we conservatives have always understood and liberals don't get. Thomas Sowell eloquently talks about it in Vision of the Anointed in his book, Conflict of Visions. We are not talking about a perfect versus imperfect world. We're talking about competing visions here where conservatives understand that typically in life we are choosing from two bad options. And the only legitimate question is which option is less bad. And the options we are have now are keep this shut down and decimate the lives and savings of people who poured their hearts and souls and everything they own into their businesses and wipe them out, that option, or open it up, understanding we live in a world of risk, take proper mitigation factors, wash your hands, socially distance when you can, keep vulnerable populations at home. And the only question, the only question, is which of those bad options is less bad? There are no good options. We do not live in that world. That is the liberal utopia that doesn't exist. It's got a, the fallacy is a utopia fallacy for people who try to use it in reasoning. There is no such world. And the only non-essential business is the one you did not pour your heart and soul into to build. That's the only non-essential business. There is no non-essential business. People have been wiped out. They've been wiped out. The DC bubble Amtrak corridor people who report in the media, whose jobs are stable, in this political swamp class, has nothing to worry about. They've never built a damn thing. The guy in the plumbing shop, the guy in the pizza place, the doctor I know down the But—they're being wiped out. That is real. Those are real people whose real lives are being destroyed. There are no good options. The question is, what is the less bad option? And I think the less bad option at this point is clearly, let's open it up. When we get back on the other side of this, I want to talk about something the president said yesterday to his presser, and he just reiterated now, too. That gave me goosebumps. And he needs to run with this as soon as possible. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin.
1: Mark Levin.
0: If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand and absolutely free of charge, Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too. With Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to LevinforHillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N-Frahilsdale.com.
2: All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. and Gino, in for Mark Levin. Folks, folks, listen, I just said it before the break, and I'll say it again now. We are weighing a number of bad options. There are no good options here. Life is like that. It really stinks. We, you know, anybody who gives you a simpleton type argument, saying you want to open up the economy means you want people to die, is pure, utter nonsense. That's a nonsensical argument. And anyone who says to you things like, well, you know, none of this is worth a single human life. You can't put a value on human life. I don't. People do that to themselves all the time. I don't put a value on others' lives. People put a value on their own lives every day. We live in the real world. There are people who understand that the flu can be lethal, yet 50% of America doesn't get a flu shot. Why? I thought it wasn't worth one human life. There are people who fly on planes despite the fact that they know the risk. Again, I thought it wasn't worth one human life. Folks, people do things all the time and take risks in their own lives. They take those risks all the time. We live in a risky world. We have to do everything we can to mitigate those risks and protect the people most vulnerable, especially the elderly who seem extremely susceptible to this pathogen, it can be very deadly for them. And the immunocompromised people with pre-existing lung disorders. But I don't think a viable option, especially without a vaccine out there going forward at this point, a viable option is clearly not, clearly not to keep the economy shut down forever. It's not about money. It's about people's livelihoods and their ability to feed themselves and live. Again, the only non-essential business is the one that's not yours. There are no non-essential businesses Throw that term out. That means it's meaningless. Non-essential business. People worked their whole lives, poured their life savings into their businesses. Now, the president said something yesterday. And he said it again today. And I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it was powerful. It gave me goosebumps yesterday. I don't get goosebumps often. I'm kind of a jaded cat a little bit. But he said, we built this economy once. We'll rebuild it again. We'll build it again. We'll build it again. He can't say that enough. I'll be candid with you. He should probably throw, he should throw MAGA and and keep America great. Those are great. Loved them. That should be your new red hat. We'll build it again. We'll build it again. People vote. For optimism ladies and gentlemen people want a leader when the president said that we'll build this again we will build this again gosh it hit me in the gut because that's what we do damn it that's what we do we are the united states we don't take you fill in the blanks from anybody we will fix this it's going to be hard it's going to be tough we will be there for you we will get through this this is not hyperbole or nonsensical garbage i'm not gi joe We've been through this kind of stuff before. We will fix this and we will build it again. We'll rise from this and we will build this again. He needs to say that every single day to anybody who will listen. We will build this again. I'm Dan Bongino, Info Marketing. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
1: here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
2: Alright, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Boncino filling in for Mark. He'll be back with you tomorrow. Have no fear. enough to worry about the antidote for Mark within control. He will be back with a you nuclear fix tomorrow. So I opened up the show talking about just kind of tell you what I told you the media's ridiculous efforts, ridiculous because we have the receipts of them doing otherwise, to suggest that they were the ones on top of the coronavirus. They were the ones sounding the alarms. That Trump sat on it. And that Trump, they're already preparing you for that. We got impeached, this guy. Trump lied. People died. I'm telling you, it's coming. Despite the fact, again, that we have the receipts of the media saying, don't you worry, it's no big deal. Just like the flu. I read to you the headlines. I read the actual headlines. Their words, not mine. Should we worry about this? No, it's no worse than the flu. That's their words. Expect as well a series, a litany of... (laughs) Siri, you... The Siri goes off on my phone. Hey, Siri. I said, serious, Siri. Stop being so sensitive. Expect a series of air quotes here. Intelligence leaks. From people inside the swamp who can't stand the president saying, oh, my gosh, we warned him. We warned him, and he just wasn't paying attention, despite the fact he was the one that instituted the travel ban against the advice of someone in the community. And the media who called him a racist and a xenophobe for doing it. But, uh, you know, this matters for a reason. and Forgive me. Sorry, I had an itch there on my head. This matters for a reason. You know, I um, one of my favorite books is a book by Nassim Tala, The Black Swan. It was a, it's a bestseller forever. It's just a really terrific book. And In that book, it's either that or one of his other. I've read a bunch of them. They all kind of blend in after a while. They're all very good. He writes about how. You know, history is always written by the victors, right? I mean, we all understand that, right? The victors are always the heroes in the story because they won. And the people they vanquished aren't around to tell their version of events. It's not a political statement. It's just a fact. That's how history... Listen, ladies and gentlemen, history is history. It's usually a fairly decent telling of what happened. But history is written in a lot of books. It's not always accurate, if you know what I mean. For those of you who've read liberal textbooks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Zinn and that other stuff. It's usually a skewed telling of history. And the victors are usually always the media. They are going to rewrite history here and pretend they were on the right side of this when the receipts say otherwise if we don't stay on top of it. But in that book, not to get off topic there. He makes this interesting point about how before one of the world wars that he was reading this book and they were suggesting, you know, tensions were building. People in the world were panicked all around the world. The friction was building people were where it was reaching a boiling point. And then he goes on this interesting, uh, you know, kind of written couple paragraphs where he points out what the actual news headlines were before this war. And what bond, you know, bond volatility and things like that, were. if it was, you know, if there was panic breaking out everywhere, surely we would have seen the financial markets and the headlines. And interestingly enough, it wasn't there. But it seemed like history, history should have said we knew the world, both of those world wars were devastating. They were literally life-changing for for generations of people. What happened, people who weren't around after that. But that's not what actually happened. History's written by the victors. And the media desperately wants to be the victor and conquer Trump. So they make things up. But we have the receipts, and the receipts matter. Now, folks, again, before the break, I brought up that he said something very powerful, the president, and it was in one of his more candid moments, and I think he may have slipped into what I think should be his campaign slogan going forward. Dump everything you've said before. We're in a new world now. No question about it. Regardless of the or not and fatality of the disease, and houses of the Europe becomes we'll have better numbers when all the data is out. Regardless of that, it's serious. We're now in a full blown financial, economic, and healthcare crisis. There's no doubt about that. The level of the healthcare threat to others, we can debate all day. But there's no doubt we're in a crisis. He said something. He said, "We built this economy before." I built it back up, and we'll build it again. And I said, you're damn right. The president should get up at every one of these pressers from this point on and say, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have for you a perfect answer right now. I don't. I don't have a vaccine. We have some potential treatments that look good. We have hydroxychloroquine. We have plasma treatments. We have potential antibody testing that's coming out. We have mitigation measures we can take that have been... Looks like pretty successful at stopping a rampant hospitalizations all over the place. But I don't have a perfect answer for you. I only have a series of imperfect answers. But we are the United States, and we've dealt with imperfection before. We bought war bonds. We had Rosie the Riveter. We sent our 18 and 20-year-olds overseas to storm the beaches of Normandy. We've been there before. We've kicked ass before, and we'll kick ass again. We'll fix this. We'll deal with it. It's a risky world. But we've got to open our economy back up. And we have to get out in the world, take the proper measures, but we have to get back out in the world, and we have to start making stuff. Because the stuff is what keeps us alive. The medicine, the food, the water, the clean water, the water plants. We can't just leave it up to our garbage men, and our water plant workers, and our grocery store people. We have to get back to work. We can't just leave it up to the 18, 20 year old, you know, making eight bucks an hour at the grocery store to be taken on the risk by him or her every day. We have to get back out in the world. We built this before. We're going to build this again. 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 He cannot say that enough. We are going to build this again. He can't say it enough. I'll win this thing in a landslide, ladies and gentlemen. The other side is offering you nothing but garbage. Green New Deal airplanes, minimum wage, right? Put business. That's what, exactly what businesses don't need right now. They don't have money to pay their wages now. $15 an hour minimum wage junk. Kennedy Center bailouts. How many white, black, and Asian people do you have on your board? What? Yeah, that was in the last bill. pamphlets on airplanes showing the co2 emissions for who for who there's nobody on airplanes you idiots that's what they're offering it's time for him to step up there and say i only have a series of imperfect answers for you but in an imperfect country but with really really damn good ass kicker people we're gonna get out there because i was a builder and we build stuff we build stuff you hear me I'm probably modulating all over America right now. I don't care. Turn me down, Mr. Producer. We're the United States, and we build stuff. It rhymes with hit with an S in front of it. That's what we do. We build stuff. I used to build stuff. We build stuff, and we're going to build this thing again, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to fix this thing, and we're going to take care of our elderly and our immunocompromised and people at risk. We'll pick up the slack for them. We don't expect them to go out there and put their lives in danger. But for us, young and healthy people who can work, we are going to get out there. We're going to wash our hands. We'll stay away from people when we can. But damn it, we're going to get back to work. And we're going to start the engine of this country, that V12 hammer. And we're going to drop it tomorrow like the old Dodge Viper. We are going to kick ass. And we are going to open this economy. And we are going to build, fill in the blanks again. This guy'd win 39 states. He said it. It's not my line. He said it yesterday. We'll build it again. The other side is offering you nothing. They're offering you crappy garbage slogans and a candidate who doesn't even know what state he's in half the time. And that's not a knock on him. That He doesn't. He Listen to his... Uh, I'm sorry, folks. The guy is not ready for primetime. time. Biden. He was never ready for prime time. This is who you think is going to save the economy after a three-year track record of success this president had before we got slammed in the cojones by this virus? He needs to get out there. We are America. We are going to build this. We are going to get back out there, and he needs to set a date. And that date needs to be May 1st, no later. No later. Explain to me why it should be later. Why? We have no vaccine yet. We may get one, we may not. We don't have one now. This is a risky world full of trade-offs, There are no good decisions. There are only less bad ones. The less bad decision at this point is to take care of the sickest among us, keep people high risk, out of risk as much as we can, mitigate the dangers for the rest of us, and go back and start making stuff again before we bankrupt this entire country and wipe out generations of what people fought for. Their businesses matter, folks. I don't care if you make pizza, if you unclog toilet bowls, if you're an architect, what you do matters. Work matters. Work is value. Work is dignity. People poured their lives into this. Showing up every day with your darn work boots on and getting dirt underneath your fingernails matters. There's dignity and value in everything. I painted houses. I cleaned mausoleums in a cemetery. I stocked shelves in a supermarket. And I loved everything every one of those damn jobs i have nothing there's nothing wrong with picking up a mop and cleaning a damn floor there's dignity in everything there's no dignity in sitting on your ass and the government is making us do it now may 1st announce it today open this up we will all be in trouble in a world of equally bad options we will be out of work Our production lines will dry up. You will be looking at a far different world if we don't fix this soon. There are no easy answers. Only simpletons believe in that. I'm sorry. Only liberal media people looking to attack Trump want to paint this black or white scenario for you that does not exist. You want to open up means you want to kill people. No, that means you're an idiot. That's not what that means at all. What it means is you will kill people. There'll be suicides. There'll be depression. There'll be mass bankruptcies. There'll be people out of work that'll take a stress toll. You have no idea the pain of being unemployed. Oh, Dan, you don't know either. No, believe me, I know. I left my job in the Secret Service to run for office. And after I lost in a blue state, ladies and gentlemen, it was pretty tough to find work. That's how my podcast started, out of desperation, not out of love for being a radio guy, because I had to feed my family. The stress is off the charts. I would have, I'm not kidding. I would have rather lost a a digit on my hand. That's not a joke. That's how painful that was to me. You have tens of millions of people going through that now. We'll build it again, May 1st, May 1st. We'll build it again. I'm Dan Bongino, and for Mark Levin, we'll be
1: right back. Mark Levin.
0: In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount.
2: Back to the Marco Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. As you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty passionate about this. And, and you know, it, it might be, and not might, it would be fair for many of you to say, well, Dan, you know, you're, you're, you're recommending opening up the economy May 1st. Take the proper mitigation measures, but let's get back to producing stuff again. Let's do what we do best, which is kick ass. Let's do it. But you may, so that's easy to say. You're, you're not, you know, it doesn't affect you. Or you'll benefit from it. No, folks, uh, candidly, I don't say this, this isn't like humble brace, This isn't me kind of being a jerk about it. I will be fine. This has nothing to do with me. Nothing. I'm not kidding. I will be fine. I've, I've always saved. I've been a saver my whole life. I don't live an extravagant lifestyle. I don't have a yacht. I don't belong to a country club. That's not my bag of donuts. My you know, uh, my high-level, upper-class, upper-crust eating is a steak from the Publix. Love it. I, or I think I'm having Shake and Bake tonight. Love Shake and Bake. Fell in love with it when I was a kid. Extra crispy, as always. My favorite thing. That's high-class living for me, folks. I will be fine. I'm telling you it's not about me. I live in Martin County, Florida. And I'm not messing with you. I go out there in an effort, we have enough food here, but in an effort to try and help the local businesses, my wife and I both have been eating out at a different spot every night to try and help the places that although you can't sit down in their restaurants, they can do takeout and curbside. We've been buying food from everyone. Sometimes food we don't even eat. I know it may sound wasteful, but we figure we'll save it for tomorrow if we... Because we're doing our best. And guys, and ladies, everybody I talk to, the look on their face is hard. It is painful. The poor guy in the outback who runs the place, he's like, I got about a, a week or so left here. Cash. I mean, how do you look at that and, and, and not care? This isn't a simple world. I get it. This is a dangerous situation. I don't need it to be explained to me a thousand times. As I said, I'm pretty confident I had this damn thing already from the Super Bowl I wasn't at the game. I was doing media coverage down there. I get it. I totally get it. A good, very good friend of mine is in a lot of trouble now with this. Who's out in Suffolk County, Long Island. He knows who he is. But there are other people in trouble, too. We deal in a world of risk and harm and folks to look into their eyes. Every time we take the bag from them with their gloved hands and their masks on of the food, we drive away. And I say to myself, I can't look at another guy or woman like this. I can't. I can't. The emails. You know, I've had the the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, thanks to people who listen to Mark's show and my show and otherwise, I've had the distinct honor and pleasure, thanks to the Lord Almighty, to be able to have a voice and an audience. It's been in the honor of my lifetime that people find anything I have to say interesting, I still find fascinating. I didn't grow up like this. But the downside of that is with that responsibility comes a lot of pain. I don't mean physical pain. I mean, you get a lot of emails from people who are struggling. I did a show once on addiction because it mattered to me. I ran into a guy in the gym who was struggling. I could tell he was struggling. He was talking about his addiction and drugs, and I did it. And I fielded emails for days, for days, from good people fighting that demon. Folks, I get emails every day, hundreds. I'm not kidding. Our contact is on our website. People find her when they email us, and the stories are devastating. People who make everything from clothes to food to farmers to truckers who were emailing me that they weren't being allowed to, uh, to, to walk into restaurants and they, the, the drive-thrus and restaurants wouldn't allow them to walk through. They can't fit their trucks through the drive-thru. These guys and women are trucking. Our How do you think we're eating? They couldn't even go to the truck. I read that all the time. We've got to live. It's a risky world. There's not going to be any easy answer on the other side of this. There will be no Matrix red pill. It will only be dealing with the risks.
4: Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
1: Do you ever talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811.
2: All right. Welcome back. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Have no fear, folks. Mark will be back with you tomorrow. And again, I can't say this enough. The president's line going forward. We will build it again. We will build it again. We will build it again because, damn it, that's what we do. This country's been touched always on the right shoulder by the hand of God. I mean, how else do you explain this place? How else do you explain? Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, think about this rationally. If you wrote the story of the United States in a book before we existed, people would laugh and say, that's ridiculous. A ragtag army defeating the, the British Empire? And in 200 plus years, founding the richest country in the history of sentient human beings. A revolution, a civil war. The Brits came back in 1812. We kicked them out again. Almost in as bad a condition as we were in the revolution. Two world wars. Hippies. We've survived everything. Everything because we kick ass. That's what we do. Yeah, we got our snowflakes and stuff. I get it. But when the time comes to kick ass, it's always us doing it. And then we kick ass. And once we help everybody else kick ass... We give you back your country, unlike every other country and and, and nation state in the history of humankind that conquers and steals other people's stuff, we give it back. And then in a Marshall Plan-like fashion, we actually give you our money and rebuild you. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what I like about this president. The media, oh, he wasn't panicked. Because we don't panic. You want to panic now? You want to freak out in your Snuggie roasting s'mores in your base? Oh, my gosh, there's a deadly virus. There's deadly viruses everywhere. I've traveled all over the world in my prior line of work. You want to hear real horror stories? You know, let me tell you something. I remember traveling back to Kigali, Rwanda, being a transportation driver with the Secret Service. I was, I was filling in. Someone couldn't make it, so I was driving one of the cars. And I threw a plastic Deer Park bottle and some kid outside of the Hotel Rwanda, some kid came and took it. And, and, and you, the first thing that came to my mind, you know, this is crazy, but I remember it like it was yesterday. The first thing that came to my mind was, w- what is he doing, recycling that? You're probably laughing. Like, no, I swear that was it. I knew it wasn't right, but because we're so rich, that was the first thing I thought. And I said to the guy I was dealing with there, I go, why do he take that bottle? He said, because these kids are so poor. They don't even have a container or a vessel to take water with them when they go out on a walk or go to school or that side of the house. He was taking my used plastic deer park, but I just thrown in the garbage. Let, let, Let that sink in for a minute. After traveling to, what, 37 countries before my 35th birthday... You step back on the American soil and damn it, you kiss the ground. You plant those lips, right? You don't, germs, nothing. You don't give a damn. When we came back from Afghanistan on that trip I did and made it back in one piece, I'm telling you, I got off, it was dawn, and I wanted to kiss the damn ground. I would have done it if it wasn't so damn loud. You live in the United States of America. I'm not falling into this media hysteria, panic. We should all be melting down. Shut everything down. We're all going to die. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're going to get up. We're going to get out of our houses on May 1st. Hopefully. Hopefully. Please, God, hopefully. And I'm not using his name in vain. Please open this up. We are going to take care of those in danger because they need it. No one should unnecessarily put their life at risk, no matter what. No one. We're going to take care of those. But if we are young and we are able, we're going to take all proper precautions. And hopefully on May 1st, we are going to get out there and we are going to go and do what we do best, which is kick ass and make stuff because that's what we do. We feed the world, we have protected the world. Whether you like or hate it, I'm not negotiating foreign policy on the show. I get a lot of your points. I'm telling you what we did, not my opinion. Countries exist today only because we helped them. Because we sent our dead over there. We sent people over there. We buried we buried my uncle who died over there in south of Thuduk, Vietnam, shot in the back, trying to save the world from the scourge of communism. Greg Ambrose, may he rest in peace. The Vietnamese weren't invading here. You can listen. I'm not this is not a show about foreign policy or the pros and cons of the Vietnam War. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heroism of the people who died and wrapped themselves in our flag on our mission because our commander in chief told them to to try to protect the freedom of others. That's what we do. This is not the end of the world, ladies and gentlemen. It is not. And I'm tired of all the dour 24-hour panic and hysteria merchants all the time in this media thing, driving people to the red line every single day. Tens of millions of people died in 1918 during the Spanish flu pandemic. Tens of millions. Everybody knew someone who died. Kids included. Thankfully, this virus seems less impactful upon our younger Americans and healthy folks. Thankfully, that was not the case with the Spanish flu. These poor soldiers coming back from overseas. Imagine having fought, fought a world war and coming back and the dying of the Spanish flu when you get back. Some of them were wiped out. Let's not pretend this is some unique time in human history and play the liberal victim nonsense. Bull, you get the rest. This is a problem and a serious one. And we're going to fix it. and we're going to build stuff again. And we're going to make sure the plumber has his job and his business, and the architect and the pilot and the flight attendant. We're not going to let it all go down in flames. Because as I said, there is dignity in work. And the president needs to get this optimistic mission. And if if the media wants to sit down and sit on their asses and do 24-hour panic trade, panic trade and hysteria merchandise, let them do it. I'm not playing that game anymore. We will get out the facts on this, the dangers of it. We will understand as data sets become more expansive, And subjects we're able to study based on hospitalizations and lethality. We will understand more about this. But there is no red pill. This is not Lawrence Fishburne and the Matrix. There is not going to be an easy answer. And anybody selling you snake oil like there is going to be one day an easy fix is not living in the real world. I mean, think about what your fathers and grandfathers did. They were on these boats going ashore. where the minute the, uh, you know, the minute they hit the shore, 20, 30% of them were probably mowed down, shot, became casualties, or God forbid, died on the beaches. No one told them there was an easy answer. There were only two less bad answers. Either we kicked the Nazis' ass and saved the world on one hand, the other hand, some of you are going to die. There was no easy answer for them, and there's no easy answer now well, shut it down or you want people to die. If we shut it down, people will die. That's not a joke. We did, we listened to the experts. They told us to shut it down. Their models were wrong. And don't you find it a little bit odd? I mean, the left, they supposedly believe in data, That the places that were engaged in the most restrictive shutdown policies had the highest body counts. Maybe we were spreading it at home. Did anybody think this through? Shut it down. But hey, go to the supermarket. Go to the supermarket. Everybody's touching everything. I thought you said shut it down. Folks, I'm sorry. I mean, I can't. I can't watch, and I really can. I, you know, it's it's not, I really, man, it's not easy out there. It's, these, me. I can't, I mean, now you, you, you kind of sense I'm stumbling over my words, not because I don't know what I want to say, but I want to make sure I say it the right way. Precision matters. For those of you who follow me regularly, know me, some of you may not, Mark's audience, some of you may have heard me for the first time. There's this rage in me at the media, and it's not personal. I don't know many of them personally. Now you see why I feel like they've so let us down, selling us 24-hour hysteria, BS nonsense. Oh, Trump disbanded the pandemic task force. He disbanded anything, you idiots. You're making that up. They folded it into a biodefense unit. How is that helpful right now? Trump owns $99 a stock in a French company that makes Plaquenil, hydroxychloroquine. What? That's a story in the New York Times during a crisis? You idiots! You're not out there, you New York Times morons. You're not out there talking to the guy who owns the restaurant where everything is on the line. This is it for him, man. This is everything. It was his kids he was going to give his business to. He saved his whole life. This is a real guy I'm talking about, by the way, who I wouldn't dare name on this show because I don't want to put him on the spot. That was going to be handed down to his kids. It was everything. Dude doesn't live the high life, folks. He doesn't he doesn't own a yacht. He owns a restaurant that feeds people that was doing fine two, three weeks ago that is now going under as he watches his whole life, his mortgage, his car payments, everything fall apart. Can you imagine the stress? Don't tell me, shut it down or you want people to die. You're a moron if you say that. People will die either way. The question is, how do we save the most lives in a world of competing harmful decisions? That's the only real world we live in. This isn't Alice in Wonderland, man. Get out of your media bubble, you dipwads. This is the real world with real people who are really stressed out and hurting right now. And they don't want to hear your bull lines about, open it up, you must want people to die. Go, gosh, it's hard being on SCC airwaves. You can take that and... Somewhere. These are real people, man. These aren't your rich media friends with your stupid foie gras cocktail parties and your ruse. These are people who work for a living in small businesses that don't make them five, six hundred grand a year. It's a guy who owns a baseball card shop who hasn't had a customer in three weeks. Talk to him. What? He do not matter? Why? Because he has a right for the New York Times? He doesn't have a liberal blog site like media doesn't matter. Media matters. Losers. He doesn't roast s'mores in his basement with a Snuggie like you other liberal blogger dopes. What, he doesn't matter? Shut up, down. You want people to die. You're a moron. There are real people hurting out there. We are dealing with a crisis. This is time for adults to weigh really bad decisions where we have to make bad decisions that could get people hurt, but hopefully will save more lives than the competing bad decision, which will get more people hurt. This ain't a movie. It's the real world. Conservatives have always lived in the real world. Always. Liberals have always lived, as Thomas Sowell says, again, in conflict divisions. Liberals have always lived in a world they believe is perfectible. It is not. It is a series of imperfect options where we can only maximize our own prosperity by picking the least harmful. That is it. There is no option C. And we here in the United States, we kick ass and we build stuff. And we have always built stuff. And this is a damn fairy tale that in a world of really awful options, we've built this incredible place is an amazing story that's defied the odds. That no one would believe if it didn't happen and you didn't exist right now in the greatest country on earth. I'm not doing 24-hour hysteria anymore. We do not live in a unique time. We do not Our parents and grandparents have suffered magnitudes geometrically higher than we suffer today. There is nothing unique about this, nothing. It is a crisis, it is dangerous, there is no question. And we will fix it. But this is no time for victimhood and this is no time for bull. You can fill in the rest. This is not unique. People have been through this before. And damn it, like the president said, we'll build it again, and we'll come out of this on the other side. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
2: Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at D. Bongino on Twitter, InfoMark. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811 to join the show. You know, it's interesting. I, I, every time I fill in for Mark, it's always been dark. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever filled in around this time of year. So I'm in my studio, and it was light when the show, now it's And I can't even see anything. I can barely see my own notes in front of me because I've been uh, surgically attached to this seat via these headphones. I'm going to have to turn the lights on. All right, let me take a call. I've been putting the, uh, the phone number out, 877 381 and I've been ranting for a while here because I'm just so deeply disturbed by what's going on right now. I mean, obviously, the seriousness of the situation, but combined with how absolutely useless. You know what? Hold on. Mr. Call Screener, I'm going to take this call after. Tell, tell Pat to hold, because I, I, I want to take his call, but I'm going to just bring up this one final point before we go to break here. You know, during times of crises, you would think people who've professed to be journalists, a profession you'd think they'd be proud of, right, have so humiliated themselves in the country and their profession. And I think to myself every day when I go out, you know, I go out, I had to go shopping this weekend, I had to get some food. Um, you know, I, I we just, you got to survive. And I'm there, and, I, and the reason I brought up in that last segment the, you know, 18, 20-year-old Man or woman that works at the behind the counter at Publix. And why do they have to go to work while we all get forced to stay home? I mean, they're taking on risk. It's because I went to a Publix. And I thought to myself, this, this young lady here, she's out here with this, like, a, a, you know, a sneeze guard. Is not going to do anything. She's taking, she's taking a risk every day. And I thought to myself, thank God for that young lady and I thought it was a perfect opportunity I think I went home and tweeted something like there hasn't been a time in modern human history where the people who really matter have mattered more the people at the checkout counter the plumber the guy who keeps your water on the guy who's picking up your garbage still the cops out there in the NYPD where gosh hundreds of them have come down with this those are the people that really matter and never has there been a time in modern history where the media has been more absolutely, totally useless than right now. I'm Dan Bongino, InfoMarkleVille. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
1: Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All
2: right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, InfoMark. He will, will be back with you tomorrow. Have no fear. But folks, this is not going to be hysteria hour. It's not. I'm not doing it. You want the panic merchants, 24-hour hysteria? Oh, my gosh, this is such a unique crisis. We've never seen anything. Nobody, nobody's ever been through anything like this. This is not the show, and I'm not the guy for you. I'm not doing it. This is an obstacle placed in front of us, a very serious one, a high one we're going to have to get over. It ain't going to be easy. You're not going to be able to just step over it. You're going to have to get your hands on the wall. You're going to have to grab the wall. You're going to have to get a pull-up up there. You're going to have to get up over that darn wall and jump down on the other side. And you know what? It may not be easy, but we're damn well going to do it because we don't have any other choice because that's what we do. That's what we do here. The panic merchants and the media selling you nonstop hysteria, nonstop BS and lies. Oh, I mean, gosh, the president fell asleep at the switch. He did. That's interesting because in January you were calling him a racist for not falling asleep at the switch. You remember that? Ah, uh, you forgot that one. You thought we missed that, didn't you? Yeah, we still have the receipts. What was it? New York Times or the Washington Post, one of them, a president peddling snake oil, snake oil. A malaria treatment we've only been using for decades right now that I'm intimately familiar with in this household for other reasons. Snake oil. Almost on, you know, I I never thought to myself, I I shouldn't say that because I I always thought there was a small chance, but I'm not kidding. You know, I, I think often if the president were to be personally responsible for a funding project, a Manhattan type project, that found a cure for all these types of cancers, Some of us used to joke and say, well, the liberals on the other side would say, that's racist. You can't cure cancer. My gosh, he's a xenophobe. He's only curing our cancer and not other cancers. And we were like, oh, that's stupid. You know, it's kind of a dumb joke you make about how dopey liberals are in that they reflexively respond to anything Trump says in the opposite, not realizing how small and ridiculous it makes them look. But that was a joke. If Trump cured cancer, liberals would be on the other side of it. We have a potential life-saving treatment now. Potential. But I'm not a doctor. I have not done a deep analysis of the statistical research on hydroxychloroquine, a.k.a. Plaquenil. I have not. I'm familiar with the drug for other reasons. That I'm going to leave out of this. but the media's reflexive response it's a snake oil it's an fda approved drug they've been using in this country for lupus off label that is and other immuno inflammatory response conditions people have for decades but because Trump suggested it may save someone's life. The media is on the other side of it. How is it always that whatever side America's on, the media seems to always be on the other side. Have you ever in your life seen a more useless group of buffoons than these people in the media? Let me throw a caveat in there in an asterisk. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I was saved a long time ago. I, I'm the sinner like everyone else, folks, but God, capital G, God-given big R rights matter to me. And one of those rights is the right of a free press to report freely on the, uh, to report freely on the people who are in our government, run our government, reside within our government. Period, full stop. As long as they're not doing anything illegal the press, I will always support that. I will always have your back. Having said that, With that freedom comes a responsibility. And with that freedom comes also the freedom to be stupid. Do you have to take us up on that offer every single time, you little people? You are so small. And I'm not talking about your height. People like Jim Acosta and these lunatics. Listen, I'm not suggesting to you the president gets every answer right. I'm not suggesting every battle with the press is worth the time. That's not what I'm saying. I don't worship golden calves. I don't care who they are. But my gosh, in a time of crisis, has it ever been shown to you more clearly how completely useless our media is ever than this time right now? Hoax after hoax, conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory, lie after lie in the middle of a global pathogen pandemic. There's never been a time where the people who get dirt under the fingernails have been more valuable. Think about it. You are going through what is a deadly pathogen for people who are immunocompromised and can be for people elderly. No doubt about it. You're going through this. You're living this in live time now. And yet your cable isn't out. You haven't even been inconvenienced with the loss of cable. Your internet works, your faucets not running brown water, your toilet bowl flushes, your food stores are relatively stocked depending on when you get there, if you're starving there's food banks. And yet the media wants you to believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we should be in a 24-hour panic cycle, redlining all the time. Everything's got to be shut down. We're all going to die. No, no, we're not. Folks, can I recommend something to you? There's an article out. It's at um, thegospelcoalition.org. You know what? I'm going to tweet this out right now on my Twitter. This is going out right now called c.s lewis on the coronavirus which obviously wasn't talking about the coronavirus at the time it wasn't around when c.s lewis was writing but it's a very inspirational piece by c.s lewis it's very short but i need to read this to you you need to go go to my twitter i'm at the budget i just tweeted it out download this article and print it keep it on your wall in case, like the media, the panic merchants, the panic salesmen, the hysteria merchants, 24 hours a day. It's a unique time. No one's ever been through what we've been through. Everybody panic. Melt down. Melt down now. No, it's not unique. We're America. We are ass kickers. We get through this stuff. And we have before. There is nothing unique about this. It's a piece by Matt, uh, Matt Smethurst at the Gospelcoalition.org. I'm not going to read the whole piece. But it was C.S. Lewis, 72 years ago, talking about how are we going to live with this new era, the atomic bomb, knowing we could all be annihilated at the flip of a switch. So he wrote about that. But think about this now in terms of the coronavirus for all the panic merchants and hysteria merchants out there want to sell you red line panic 24 hours a day. It's a unique time in human history. No one's been through what we've been through. They have, and they came through the other side. Listen to this. Quote, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply. Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year? Or as you would have lived in a fighting age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night? Or indeed, as you were already living in an age of cancer, Syphilis, paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, and listen to this. Do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. Last paragraph. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, then let that bomb come find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing our children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that but they need not dominate our minds. Amen. Amen. No more panic, merchants. There's a problem to be solved. It is not a unique problem. It is not a problem that's going away anytime soon. We're going to get up. We're going to get back to our lives. We're going to take the proper measures, and we are going to fix this, and we are not going to be the hysteria 24-hour panic merchant victims. The media wants you to be helplessly in your house with your eyes glued to a television, looking for an answer. We are the leaders we've been waiting for as my good friend and she knows who she is, always says, "Wear it. Don't wait for someone else. Wear it. No more panic. No more hysteria. We're going to fix our businesses. We're going to find new ways to do it. We're going to find ways to get takeout in a restaurant. We're going to find ways to, when you have to respond to someone's house and you're a plumber, put a mask on, put some gloves on. I don't know, but we're going to fix it. We're going to find better, cleaner, more efficient ways. We're going to come out of this on the other side, and we are going to be the damn ass-kicking country we always have been. No more Snuggies. No more S'mores. No more damn marshmallows, and sitting around. You want to sit in a meeting and freak everybody out all day? We've heard the answers to the questions. Sneeze in your elbow. We get it. Everybody back. Let's fix it. Take care of the people at risk. Wash our hands. Stay away from people if we don't have to. And let's get this country producing stuff again. And let's start kicking ass, because that's what we do. Be proud of this place you live in. It has been touched by the hand of God. This country should not exist in any reasonable universe. But it does because there's something different about us. And there always has been. That's why everybody wants to come here. Everybody. Everybody. Because we do it different. Because we are different. And we take in people who want something different. That's why. I'm Dan Bongio. And Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark
1: Levin.
0: AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong,
2: All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. He will be back tomorrow, so don't you wear, don't get the sweats. He will be back. You know, I always filled in a couple times here, and I was a fan of Mark for a long time. So filling in on him, is, uh, filling in for him, is, uh, is always an interesting experience. I get Mark's patrol myself. You know, Mr. Producer, I'll listen to the Mark Levin's podcast tomorrow, and I'll be like, "Who's that guy in there?" Get Mark back. Oh, that's you. I totally <laughs> forgot. You know, it comes out after the show. You didn't have to give a nice lamp. I know. All right, listen. I gave out the call number, so I do. I should take a call. It's the right thing to do. Let's go to Pat, Colorado, who's been holding for Thanks, Pat, for holding. Really appreciate it. What do you got for us tonight on the Mark Levin Show?
3: Hey Dan, you're a breath of fresh air. I really, have, oh. I've been. You're a motivator and. You've definitely lifted me up about 100 feet tonight. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Pat. That's very nice of you to say that. I really appreciate that. I just want to say that, you know, I'm a small business owner. I'm in a small town. You know, we're being affected. doesn't matter for big cities, small towns everywhere. But, but, but there's one thing that I don't think I've heard too much. You know, the fact that the economy was so strong, it was so confident right before this thing hit. I mean, in our small town, you know, you had all the work you needed. You know what I'm saying? Things were really yeah. good.
2: Yeah, okay. I mean, we had <laughs> unemployment was low. I, um, I you know, it's interesting. On my show the other day, I had, they did an NFIB, National Federation of Business. Uh, they did a survey right before this broke in the beginning of March, early uh, or late February, before the whole shutdown started. And the biggest problem, Pat, or one of the biggest problems, precision matters that businesses said they were having was finding enough skilled workers for their jobs. I mean, I, I think that's why this is so devastating to people. It's just, it was the flip of a switch where lives changed, you know, overnight. I mean, I, I just, a few weeks ago, you know, I, I, my daughter drives, I just bought her a car and, and, and the, these all these businesses in my neighborhood were packed and now, now they're all ghost towns. I mean, it's just gotta be devastating. I, if You don't have to, but if you don't, Mind me asking what do you what do you do in your business if you if you don't mind?
3: I'm a, I'm a general contractor. I also do some do some commercial real estate, but mostly I build things with my hands. I know what it means to roll my sleeves up, and I'm thank you, you right brother, now,
2: and God bless you for doing it. I mean, gosh, have people like you ever? I think Pat, listen, I am not trying to put a silver lining or lipstick on a pig here. This is a crap situation we've all been forced to eat. But my gosh, people like you have built this place, and if there has ever been a wake-up call in American history where we have seen how useless a lot of the academic elites, the modelers, these Hollywood folks, singers who are singing like John Lennon songs on Twitter, why people like you build stuff, there has never been a time in my life where it's become more transparent how valuable people like you are. And believe me, that's not hyperbole, or that isn't me putting a shine on you, because I've never even met you. I just know, for growing up in a family of laborers, an electrician for a brother and a plumber for a father, that as they say, not to wind on, Pat, but there's a line in this movie Seven Days in Entebbe. It's one of my favorite movies. Some a lot of people liked it. Some didn't. It's about a real-life hostage situation. And these dopey socialist hostage-taker loser revolutionaries, they take this plane hostage. Many of you are familiar with the story. And the pilot of the plane they land in Entebbe and the toilet bowls don't work where they're keeping the hostages. So the pilot is the only one who knows how to fix the plumbing. And this loser, snuggy wearing German so-called revolutionaries looking over him with an AK-47 while he's fixing the toilet bowl. And the pilot looks up at him with disgust, like I look up at some of the elites right now. And he says, you know what? I'll take a thousand revolutionaries, one plumber. And you know what, Pat? I'll take one pat for a thousand members of the media. Thanks for everything you do, brother. Unfortunately, I got to run. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over your phone call there, but I wanted to get that out. It's people like Pat out there in Colorado that I think all of us go to bed at night and thank God exist. Your water runs, your internet works, and your food arrives because of the truckers, because of the cops, and because of the people like Pat who build stuff, and we will build stuff again. I'm Dan Bonshino, and for
0: AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them.
1: The cost of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811.
2: Welcome back to The Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino and for Mark. Mark will be back with you tomorrow. So in the first hour of the show, I was talking about this dreadful... A grotesque Democrat, ideologically radical wish list of items they tried to jam down our throats uh, with what they call the stimulus. But no such thing as government stimulus. But the government doesn't stimulate anything they take to redistrib- uh, redistribute to others. No such thing as a government stimulus. You can call it a Band-Aid if you wish. Stimulus is inaccurate. That's lefty talk right there because it's not true. But they had a wish list of items they wanted in there: Green New Deal, compliant planes, woke boardrooms, how many white and black people you have in your boardroom, what that has to do with the the, uh, Wuhan virus. I have no idea. But of course, Democrats never miss an opportunity to move in for the kill shot when it comes to leveraging a crisis to advancing their agenda minimum wage requirements, all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to ask a simple question I'm going to get to in a moment. Here, I just want to take a caller, but I'm going to ask a simple question. You know, if it's fair game for the Democrats in a Band-Aid bill to get us through this government-enforced shutdown, which I think a lot of people understand, even some conservatives, given the dreadful nature of the situation we find ourselves in, but we will come out of the other side from, why don't we have a wish list too? You ever ask yourself that? Mr. Producer, right? The Democrats do it all the time. Why, why, why don't why, why don't we do it? Thank you. I know we should. So I've got a suggestion for Republicans out there, people in the administration, Republicans up on the Hill. Why don't we put together a little wish list and get the Democrats on the record for it? I have a little, maybe a little contract with America part part two, the sequel. Why not? The Democrats got to do it. They wanted Green New Deal compliant planes, $25 million for the Kennedy Center, whoa well, boardrooms, well they got to do what well, why don't we do it too? Before I get to the wish list, I want to just hear from someone else out there in the listening audience outside of the DC bubble as well about what's really going on in the real world for the twenty-four hour panic merchants in the media making you believe you're living through some unique time. You are not. We are living through a crisis, and human beings and humanity in general has been a story of crisis And the United States. has always been a story of crisis and overcoming it and coming out on the other side ready to kick ass. Let's go to Dan in El Paso. El Paso in a state I love, of course. Dan, you're on the Mark Levin Show. What do you got for us?
4: Hey hey Dan I'm I'm a huge huge fan man I just uh, wow. I listen to your podcast religiously thanks, so it I I every time I hear you on Mark Levin it's like a double <laughs> dose of the good well, stuff every you. day so Mark <laughs> is very
2: kind to let me man the con here so I, that's very nice of you buddy I appreciate that thanks a lot No problem man um the, the point I wanted
4: to I, I agree exactly with everything you're saying we need to open this economy up because if not we're going to just be digging ourselves into a deeper hole and that's the thing. You have these liberal lunatics in the media that just, they just want ratings. They want panic. They don't care about, you know, like somebody like me, who's 29, that's got a one-year-old that has a, you know, has a big surgery coming up and we're going to have to postpone it because of this stuff, because they want to, they want to bottleneck everything. They want control. My big point you know is, Dan, we, you know what it is about it
2: too? And you probably heard me mention this on my show. There was never an exit plan. It's not like they got us into this and and, and roll with me for a moment here, Dan. It's not like they got us into this, the experts who advised us this was a good idea and said we're a month away from a vaccine. So when we all have to get back to work to feed our one year olds like you have at home, thankfully, my daughters are a little older right now and kind of understand what's going on. But don't worry, Dan, we're going to suck it up for a month, consider it an extended vacation. You're going to come out, everybody's going to be vaccinated, and everything's going to be kumbaya. That's not the world we live in. I think you know that. There was never an exit plan. We got into something. There was no runway to get out of. There was no way out of the airport. And that's what's bothered me about this the whole time. You know, Dan, it's, you know, is it you have a daughter or a son? A uh, daughter. You don't. Look, I mean, I'm. I'm asking you a question. I already know the answer to, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Maybe there's some people out there who don't have kids yet, or you don't look at anything like you look at your daughter, right? Eh? Ever?
4: No, no sir. No, I get you're up damn every right, day you and work my butt off for her and for my wife. You know. Now, I'm, Dan, I'm, 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 I'm going to ask
2: you a question, and I'm not messing with. You. It's not a trick. I'm not setting you up. If you were given two options in the world we live in. We live in a world of risk. We don't live in a world of good or bad options. We live in a world that constantly presents us with harmful options and less harmful options. That is all we have to deal with. There is no, this is not a fairy tale. It's a real world. If you were given two options, let's not use coronavirus because it's politically tarnished right now. But say, hey, Dan, you may get the flu if you go out. But if you don't go out, you're going to be fired from your job. What choice would you stay in work, taking on the risk of knowing you may contract the flu or some other pathogen, pathogen with it? Or would you sit home, if you were told that, and sit there and have to look at your one-year-old daughter and try to figure out a way to feed her? I'm just throwing that out there.
4: Oh, um, You know me. I'm going to work, man. I'm of going to course work, you're going to work. Somebody else sick, you know.
2: Because you've never looked at anything in your life like you look at the daughter. Listen, Dan, the world takes hostages, brother. The world takes hostages. It does. You've got your daughter. I've got my two daughters. It isn't about us anymore. This isn't about easy decisions. This is about men and women like you and me who are tough, hardened people who live in the real world where there are real consequences and real danger every day. We are big boys and girls, and we will figure it the hell out. Just get us the information. Tell us how this thing transmits. Tell us what we need to do. Dan, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Give your daughter a kiss for me. And you know, when you tell Dan and me, Dan, two Dan's on this, when you tell me what I need to do, do I need to wear gloves to go back to work? Do I need to wear a mask? Do I need to wear a freaking ninja suit? I don't care. I will do it because I am going to work because I have kids to feed and you don't look at anything like you look at your kids. Anything. Can you imagine these the, the people on the frontier just a hundred years ago? Looking out, and maybe short a day's supply of food. You understand, who is it? Was it Havlock Ellis or someone who said we're only four missed meals away from chaos? Imagine that being your life every day. That's not you. This is not some unique crisis nobody in humankind has ever had to deal with. It is a problem and a serious one that the biggest, largest ass-kissing, uh, ass-kicking country, definitely not ass-kissing, ass-kicking country on earth will get through on the other side of this because that's what we do. Don't forget it. I'm sorry, but this is what we do. We kick ass and take names and that's what we do. And then when we do it, we go over and we help everybody else do it too because we're good like that. Because this is a good place. Because that's what we do. Were you whispering something in my ear there, Mr. Producer? Oh, Sharon. All right, cool. Tell Sharon it. Put Sharon on ice for just a minute. But folks, I can't say this enough. Because I refuse to do this anymore. To sit in our homes like the media wants to, like cowering in fear, assuming this is the first time in human history we're so unique that we're supposed to feel bad for ourselves. Damn it, I'm not feeling bad for squat. My grandfather fought at the Battle of the Bulge. He never talked about it one day in his life. Remember when Saving Private Ryan came out and everybody, the younger generation, had a renewed interest in what happened on Omaha Beach and Utah Beach and elsewhere? Remember that? My grandfather never said a word. Tell me again how we're living in some uniquely harmful, perilous time, and we should all feel bad for ourselves and wrap ourselves in Snuggies and roast marshmallows. I'm not doing it. Boom. I'm not doing it. Let me tell you, my grandfather, when I graduated from the Secret Service Academy down in Beltsville, Maryland... We didn't have a lot of money, so my grandfather and grandmother wanted to come down and see the graduation ceremony. It was a big deal. I was very proud. We were, you know, relatively lower middle class family growing up. My father was a plumber. My mother worked in a supermarket. So they were proud. I was proud, too. But we didn't have any money, so my grandfather, they, we all stayed in one room in the double tree, and that's where the Secret Service had us holed up in Alexandria. So, you know, they had a pullout couch in there. It was a, like a sweet setup. And, of course, we gave my grandfather and grandmother the bed. And in the middle of the night, about 3 o'clock, my grandfather got up and he unleashed a scream. And I made a primal scream. You know what I'm talking about? You know that scream, right? Many of you have heard it. If you haven't, I hope you never do. And I got up in a panic. But nobody else did. It was just me. My father and grandmother didn't even respond. I'll never forget it. When I woke up the next morning, I said to my father, what was that about? He goes, ah, he does that once in a while. It's, you know, that time in in the war. Ladies and gentlemen, this was about 20 years ago. In other words, decades after he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Apparently he'd done it so often that nobody in my family who was used to it even thought anything of it. Tell me again how we're living in some uniquely awful time in human history and we should all wallow in our self-misery like the media wants us to, glued to the TV, cowering in fear. Give me that lecture one more time. Yeah, I didn't think so. We're ass kickers. Remember that. We've always been. And I don't say that to be vile or vulgar or for attention. I don't need it. I don't want it. Don't care. I say it because that's what we are. We're miners. We're truckers. We sit there in stock grocery shelves at four o'clock in the morning. We sit in front of a 600 degree bagel oven like my friend did in Middle Village, cooking bagels on Sunday morning, melting in front of an oven, burning his fingers, flipping the damn things inside the oven because he didn't have gloves. We sit there behind the counter at gasoline stations at 2 o'clock in the morning so people can come in for a, a Diet Coke or a cigarette, knowing there's probably a 1% or 2% chance some nutbag's going to come in there and try to rob you with a piece sometimes. We do that because we're ass-kickers. That's what we do. But watching the news now, you think we're a bunch of—you get the point. Sitting there in our houses, again, roasting s'mores with our Snuggies because we're all terrified— How about more of this on the news, about stories stories of real Americans busting their butts? How about clamors on the news for people saying and asking honest questions like some have, to be fair? What's the exit plan here? What does the other side of this look like so I can feed my kids again? What about more of that? Instead of hearing from the 5,000th medical expert telling us... We we got we to gotta shut it all down. If we don't shut it down, we're all going to die. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all going to die. Every single person listening to this is going to come to grips with their own mortality one day. Everyone. The only question is how. What was the exit plan? May 1st. May 1st. We will fix it. We will take the mitigation measures. We will be responsible. We will keep the most at risk, out of harm. But we will go back to work because we have to. Now, one more day, May 1st. May 1st, we have to do it. May 1st, no later. We need to push for that because people have to feed their kids and it matters. I'm Dan Bongino in from Mark Levin. We'll be right back. All right, folks, welcome back. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound like, ah, oh, welcome back. I sounded frustrated. Uh, if you want to read that article, by the way, I read that, not article, but that C.S. Lewis quote, I have it up on my Twitter. I'm at D. Bongino. Check it out. Plaster it up on your wall. It is the absolute perfect piece of writing for right now. C.S. Lewis on the Atomic Age and what it was like to live with the threat of annihilation. Just remember that especially the last lines of it. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. The media, I'm telling you, wants you in a 24-hour hysteria cycle. There's a reason they want that. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not some, you know, Roswell, Rachel Maddow nonsense. It's real. The media needs right now a panic. Why? Because their narrative about President Trump as I opened up the show. Remember, the media is always telling you a story, not the story. There's a difference. The Aesop's fable the media is going to tell you now is that we are living through the biggest crisis in human history like no one has ever seen, which is nonsense. And that the president you all voted for is awful and he missed the ball and Trump lied and people died. But you cannot have a president who missed the ball on a crisis if you don't keep people believing we are in an unprecedented crisis. We are not. We are living through a problem and a serious one. It is not unprecedented. It's not even close to being unprecedented. Don't fall into the hysteria trap. This president was handed a you know what sandwich after being handed a collusion hoax and an impeachment hoax and everything. It's amazing. This guy got anything done at all. We have motoring economy. We've had almost unprecedented numbers of constitutional federal judges appointed. We had growth rates of upwards of 3% wages rising. This country was great three weeks ago. It'll be great again. Do not buy into the 24-hour hysteria. And as I mentioned before the break and forgot to go into detail, but this last minute, I'll tell you, it's time for the Republicans to put out a renewed contract with America, too, now. The Democrats want their wish list items, Green New Deal planes, and all this other crap. You get nothing. We are going on the record with our contract with America. And let the Democrats go on the record and resist tax cuts, school choice, patient-centered uh, health care now. Let them go on the record against that stuff. Put it on paper. People love contracts. Put it on paper. Get out there and tell the American people, Republicans, listen, please, what we stand for again. And we're going to open this up and we are going to get back to the America we were just three weeks ago. Because we kick ass. Because that's what... We do. I'm Dan Bongino. Thanks for listening. See you soon.
4: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.